Hey online family, hey. welcome. We're in a series called Acting Up. And hey, our hope in this series is to kind of journey through the book of Acts and to look at it, not to play copycat, uh, but to really look at it as a foundation that we can leap off of and see what it looks like for God to move in our everyday lives. We hope you get a lot out of it. God bless you. See ya. So I read on here in Acts chapter 5, it says, Through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of them, the rest of them, dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on, on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by, some, by might fall on some of them. Wow. I'm telling you, there were things going on. It says, And a multitude gathered from surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people to those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and all of them got healed. I'm telling you, happening stuff. That's how we see it here at Love Church. That's how we're, we, we see this church going, that there's signs and wonders and miracles happening. You know, these are not things that passed away with the apostles. These are things that are present for today. Even this week, I was, I, uh, I was talking to Mark Dunn. I don't see him. There he is right there. He went home for a graduation last week. And his mom, I think it was, she was having trouble with her feet. She's 85 years old. And she was going to have to stand at this graduation. Well, you know what Mark did? He just says, Mom, let me pray for you. He lays hands on her in Jesus' name and all the pain left. This is Book of Acts stuff. This is modern day Christianity. Okay? This is life how it's supposed to be in Christ. So, uh, things are going on in chapter 6. I'm just going to say this, that they appointed leaders because they began to see that there was more going on than what the apostles could manage themselves. And they were missing some of the practical things of the ministry. So they looked among them and found seven men that were faithful, that, that had a good reputation, that they knew, you know, you need to know who your leaders are, okay? It's a big deal. And, and it says they were also men who were full of wisdom and full of the Spirit of God. These were the qualifications. And they took these guys, they prayed for them, laid hands on them, and set them over the work of the ministry. And what I would say about it is this, that I don't care who you are, I don't care if you're the Apostle Peter, you can't do it on your own. Okay? God's made it in such a way that we work together, that we come together, and there's strength. There's strength when leaders rise up in the body, and there's strength when people take their place. You move on into chapter 7. I'm moving towards chapter 8 in case you wondered because in chapter 8, you know, that's kind of where my nugget is to give you today, but I don't want to just ignore these other chapters, so I'm giving you the highlight in them. In chapter 7, we find that Stephen gets stoned, and this is not the kind of stone that happened at Woodstock. This is the kind of stone that happened, just clarifying, okay? This was this kind of stone that happened when people threw rocks at someone until they died, okay? And so Stephen is a man, he's one of the, the leaders that are pulled out, that are full of the Holy Ghost and full of wisdom, have a good reputation. And what I'd say is this, that as the church does things for God, don't be surprised when persecution comes. 
Persecution will come, you know, in, in different forms. And, and uh, sometimes it comes from people that you love and that love you. Sometimes it even comes from other Christians, okay? Maybe not the rocks, maybe. I don't know. But uh, please don't throw tomatoes or anything else at your pastor, okay? But, uh, you know, we're never promised that we're not going to be persecuted, okay? But I, I, I will tell you this, and I can see this from reading about Stephen and this, this ultimate persecution, being stoned, that God's presence was real in Stephen's life, okay? I love that we have this little excerpt from Stephen at this point of, of crisis, you know, seemingly crisis. But, but it says this in, in uh, Acts 7:55 that he was, he being full of the Holy Ghost, gazed into heaven, and he saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now, to the other people in the crowd that were probably there throwing stones and observing, they saw a guy being killed. We're seeing an inside picture of what Stephen sees, and we see he looked into heaven, and he saw Jesus, some standing at the right hand of God. He saw the glory being poured out. He says, look, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man is standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried with a loud voice when he said this, and they stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. Some people will not have ears to hear, okay? And they cast him out of the city, and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at, a, at the feet of a young man named Saul. Uh, he'll come up later in the story, okay? And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried with a loud voice and said, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he said this, he fell asleep. Wow. Now, now, I would say this about it, too. Stephen didn't set out to be a martyr, okay? A martyr is not your goal in life, okay? Do not have a martyr complex. Have a God complex. Stephen just set out to do what, whatever God showed him to do. But I know this, that as he did, God was with him in a mighty, in a strong way. The other thing I want to point out is this, that... Uh, Everyone needs Jesus. Everyone needs Jesus. Even the people throwing the rocks. Even the people holding the coats of the ones throwing the rocks. In, in life, when persecution comes in any form, it's easy to get our eyes on the wrong thing. And people are never your problem, okay? We're not in a war with people, okay? They're not the enemy. They're other people that need Jesus in a mighty way. Would you agree the people throwing the rocks, they needed Jesus, okay? All right. Now, in chapter 8, we're going there. And just bear with me for a few minutes here today, and uh, this is the thing that, that, that stood out to me. In, in chapter 8, we have the story of, of Philip, another one of the leaders in the church, another man with good reputation, full of wisdom in the Holy Ghost, 
And Philip went down to the city of Samaria to preach Christ to them. And it says, And the multitude with one accord heeded the things that were spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. I'm in Acts chapter 8. It says that unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And I love verse 8. It says there was great joy in the city. Do you know what this is? This is a description of a whole multitude receiving the gospel. This is a description of a whole city receiving what Jesus did for him, being born again. And the fruit of it is given here in verse 8. It says there was great joy in the city. Regardless of what you might have thought, you know, if you're new, I'm telling you what, God doesn't take your joy away from you. He gives you joy. You know, that's something I, I recognized as a brand new believer back in the 70s when I got born again. Yeah, I'm that old. I was born, you know, anyway, grew up in the 70s. And, and, uh, but I got born again, and, and contrary to my thoughts before this, I, I thought, man, Christianity, I don't know, it, might, it seems, I don't know, it seems kind of religious to me. I don't know. Oof. Sounds like God might just never let me have any fun. But I found, man, when I got in Christ, I had joy. I had, joy. I had a smile on my face that was hard to wipe away because, and I didn't even know, I couldn't even have, you know, people say, well, what, why, are you, why are you happy? What's wrong with you? What are you on? I'm on Jesus. Jesus is in my life. Jesus has come into my heart, and, and, and there's just something about it. I can't even describe it, but there's joy. I did. I had people, I, I remember I had a lady walk up to me once and says, and she was a Christian, she says, you must be a new Christian. I said, how did you know? Did God tell you this? Did an angel appear to you? How did you know that? She says, well, you just are so happy. You have joy. And then I said, well, what's up with the old Christians? Don't they have this joy? Seems like a normal question. Here's the deal. You, you do have the joy. You do have the joy. But you need to know how to draw out what you have in you. We got to learn how to draw out what's in you. Sometimes, you know, it just comes on you so strong, it's bubbling out, man. It, it's evident to everybody. But I'm telling you what, you haven't lost it. It's in you, and you need to know how to make a demand on it, make a pull on it. Just like a well, you put a bucket into the well, and you pull it up, and it's full and overflowing. Now, there's joy in the city. In, in, in verse 14, you jump down. I, I found this interesting. I don't think I'll read it, I'm going to tell it to you. What happened is, in, starting in verse 14, we see that the word of what happened in Samaria reached Jerusalem. And if you don't know it, Jerusalem was kind of the hub, okay? It's where the church headquarters was, okay? Um, and so word from, you know, had reached Jerusalem of what had happened in Samaria. What was that? That the whole city had received the gospel, the message. They'd been changed. They'd been born again. They had joy, and so when it reached Jerusalem, and I looked this up, it was 36 miles from Samaria to Jerusalem. And when, it, when word reached Jerusalem, they said, we are going to act. We're going to do something. We're sending Peter and John. Have you heard of Peter and John? These are the biggies, am I right? 
These are the guys that were with Jesus when he was on the earth. These are part of the, the, the apostle team. And, and, and here it says, we're sending out the, 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 head, the headquarters is going to send out the top dogs, Peter and John. And they're going down to these people because they need more. They need more. Do you know what? You might have been born again. Thanks, Mary. Uh, you might have been born again for 40 years like me, but I'm telling you what, you need more. You need more. Even this city that was full of joy, not just joy, but great joy, the apostles said, they need more. So they sent Peter and John down to the city of Samaria, who when they came, laid hands on these people. They laid hands on them that they would experience power from on high. They'd experience uh, what, what these guys did experience and experience with the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid of him. He's real. And he wants to be in you. He wants to be upon you. He wants to be part of the fabric of your life every day. Peter and John said, wow, we're going down and we're laying hands on these people. They laid hands on these folk and, and one by one, I don't know how it was, it had to be a lot of people to lay hands on, but, but as they did, something happened. And there was a guy in the crowd who they called, this is what they called him, they called him a sorcerer. You know what? God loves the sorcerers. Do you know that? He loves them because they're people just like, like everybody else. They need Jesus. He had funny thinking. He thought, he thought, wow, there must have been something going on when Peter and John laid hands on him because he says, I want whatever they've got. I want it. And he tried to buy it. You can't buy the things of God. You go after him with your heart. Okay? You yield to him. And, and Peter had to correct him and say, listen, this isn't, your heart's not right, and you need to get it straight. Go after God with your heart. But I'd tell you this, there was reality in what was going down. And I find this, you know, it seems like every, every couple pages I'm reading it. I'm reading this, the importance and the value that the early church put on the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives, in their church, every day, everywhere they went. It was something they valued and they saw new believers. They said they need it too. They need all of him. They made it priority. Traveled 36 miles on donkey. I'm assuming it was a donkey, you know, probably. Or walked. Or walk. That's a long hike. They said it's important. We're getting to these guys to get them what they need. Now, I'm going to just tell you one other quick thing. Can you hang with me? It's okay today? Stay, here's what I'm telling you. Stay full of the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost is not a one-time experience. It's an everyday experience. He is a person that you walk with all through life. Now, you read the end of Acts chapter 8, the same guy, Philip, who was used to bring the gospel to a whole city. You'll find that, that in the last part of the chapter, he has an experience where an angel comes and talks to him. 
okay? I mean, don't get freaked out by that. This was not an everyday occurrence in the book of Acts where angels came and talked to people. It had happened a couple times, and no big deal. It's okay. But it was important. And this angel came and gave him specific directions on the road to take and where to go and what to do. And he goes and he follows these directions, and he gets to one man. Can you say one man? who's in a chariot reading the book of Isaiah, which is in the Old Testament. And Philip comes up to this chariot and gets, gets on board with him and says, what you reading, bud? You know, it's like the guy you're sitting next to on an airplane. Say, hey, what's going on? He doesn't got his earphones in yet, so you talk to him. And he says, I'm reading Isaiah. And he says, do you understand what you're reading? What a question to ask. You know, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, he's, he's very honest, and I love this about him. He says, how could I unless someone come and tell me? And Phillips must have said, I'm here for that very thing. And he began to explain to him Jesus through the book of Isaiah and show him, show him what Jesus, how he loved him and what he did for him. And the, the, the eunuch that he was speaking to, this man, he gets born again, he gets baptized in water, and then all of a sudden, Philip is no more. He, he disappears. How cool is that? You know, it's, the Bible says he was translated. He was there one minute, then gone the next. And the guy's coming up out of the water, rubbing his eyes and saying, whoa, where did he go? Is this a dream? My dreams are real and my reality is dreamy. What is going on here? But, but uh, <laughs> here's the thing. We'll close with this. The Holy Spirit's real. And he's real for a city, and he's real for an individual. God has his heart set on the multitude, but he has his heart set on you. You're important. You're so important that he'd send an angel. You're so important that he'd bring a man to explain salvation. You're so important that, boom, when it's done, he translates him to another place. This is before Star Trek, okay? Just so you know. And, and, and uh, you're important to him today. Hey church family, Gary here. We wanna talk about some of the ways that you can give. One of the ways you can give is with the envelopes which are on the back of most of the chairs. Just grab an envelope, clearly print all the information on the back, and then drop it into the white boxes which are located near the doors in the sanctuary. Another way to give is with text messaging. So send a text message to 77977 saying, love giving, and then wait a second for the response, click the link, set the amount you want to give, whether it's a reoccurring gift, and then hit give. Another way to give is on the website. Go to www.wearelovechurch.com. Up at the top, you're going to see a word saying give. Click that. You'll see a button that says click here to give. So go ahead and click it, and then it's going to take you to a page asking you the amount, whether it's a one-time gift or a reoccurring gift. Go ahead and hit next, and then confirm. Another way you can give is with the Love Church app. You can download it from the iOS store or the Google Play store. Once it's installed, just open it up. You'll see a button that says Give. Tap that. Select the amount, whether it's a one-time gift or a reoccurring, and then hit Give.